princesses, ever wonder whether or not your conduct matters? I mean, in the world today where kind of anything goes, do you ever wonder about how you are living your life, if it really is making an impact in our world? And maybe we can just fit in within our culture and do whatever our culture does so that we don't stand out. And I know sometimes that's easy for us to um, to kind of do. I mean, come on, the church, Lord, right? It's Most people think it's antiquated, like it's old and it's not really relevant today. And we can go with what our culture does. And our culture kind of says like, you know, just, just love people and everything is going to be okay. And while God tells us to love one another, he definitely has standards and he has, uh, like he's, he set a bar of morality. And while I can't hold you accountable to that bar, I'm only, um, I can only hold myself accountable to that. But the way that I live my life and hold myself accountable to what the word of God says it directly impacts the way others view the word of God. So I've just been thinking about all of this as I'm, you know, as I scroll through social media and I have friends and this whole um, 2020 has just been this bizarre year. And then we come upon election time and the elections are happening and it's chaotic and crazy. And I have friends who are both Christians on opposite side of what they, of who they think should be president and the fiery darts that are being thrown and slandered by Christians on both sides um, hurts my heart and my spirit. And if it hurts my heart and spirit, truly it must grieve God in some way that he sees his children behave in such poor manners because they have different opinions different opinions about who should be in government. And while we can have those different opinions, that's fine. It's the way we treat people who have a different opinion than we do. And I think sometimes we try to impose our feelings, our thoughts, our opinions, and sometimes even our beliefs on people who don't think the way we do. And that's never the example that Jesus set. That is never the way in which any of the teachings within the Bible, um, the way it happened, uh, it was always how you lived your life. Yes, we called, Jesus called out sin. He explained why something was contrary to the word of God, but he never forced anyone to accept who he was. As a matter of fact, he talked about even in his own country, his own homeland, his own town and providence, that he couldn't perform the miracles that he wanted to because a prophet is not received in his own household, meaning that they were not, they were too familiar with him, that they couldn't receive that he was the Messiah. So he couldn't, their faith was not in the fact that he was God in flesh. And so they couldn't receive him the way that others could. And so their faith kept them from receiving the miracles or the blessings. And so even with Jesus, he didn't force people to believe in who he was. He didn't force people into understanding that he was the Messiah. He loved people and he loved even sinners and he spent time with them, but he did so while demonstrating the life as a follower and a believer um, uh, as a Jew. 
that he was. And keeping the ordinance and the word of God, the Torah, the Old Testament, and walking in those covenants and festivals and or feasts, I should say, he did all of that, but he drew people to him by the love that he had and by compassion and caring and not by arguments and slander. He stayed well away from all the slander and arguments about who was right and who was wrong. And I don't understand where we come from as followers of Christ when we slander one another because we are not on the same um, our thought patterns are not the same or we are of the of differing opinions. And I think it must grieve the Holy Spirit that we are called followers of Christ, Christians, and we behave in such a manner that is displeasing to God. Now, I want you to understand this is not all. This is not new. Um, this has been happening for centuries and generations after generations. As a matter of fact, Paul addressed the exact same issue when he was dealing with the church in Corinth, uh, when he wrote the letters of Corinthians, but he also wrote to Timothy, whom he was kind of setting out as um, we would call a pastor in our modern day age. He was setting Timothy out to kind of oversee a church and making sure that things were happening according to how the standard in which God is set. And so he's, he's, he's sending these letters to Timothy and he's encouraging him and he's, you know, giving him some instruction. And um, first Timothy, he kind of lays out all of these instructions and encouragement to him and letting him know that he can do this and letting him know how, you know, what to watch out for. But it's in second Timothy that in my studies today, in my quiet time, kind of drew me to a particular verse that is so um, relevant for what we're dealing with like in this season of our lives right now. And it's found in chapter three. And it's the first couple of verses. Um, and I'm going to read them to you. I'm reading out of the New International Version or the NIV. And it says in chapter three, starting at verse one, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, tr rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now, often I have read that verse or I've had that verse uh, or heard it preached in sermons. And oftentimes people refer that verse to those outside of the church. But that is not who Paul is telling Timothy to address. He's addressing the false teachers within the church. And he's telling Timothy to watch out for these false teachers who's preaching a different gospel than Paul and the apostles have laid out according to what Jesus had instructed. And so he's telling Timothy, watch out for these false teachers. 
Why? And he tells Timothy, this is the reason why. Because in these last days, and when it says last days, I know people have always said, well, they've been saying last days for generation and Christ has not come. And so it can't be the last days. But the last days are any place between the resurrection and ascension of Jesus until he returns. Any space between that is considered the last days. And so it's not just this period of time right before Christ comes. It is any time between that. So we are in the last days. And he's saying within the church, there's going to be this false teaching, this false concept, this false belief that is based upon the opinion of people. And this is what's going to happen. This whole list of this depravity of spirit is going to take place. And Paul lists this out. Like, you'll see this. Like, mark this. You'll see this stuff begin to happen in the culture that's going to invade in the church. And when you see these things have nothing to do with such people. Now, the reason why we know it's within the church is because we are called to be witnesses to those who are outside of the church and their customs and cultures outside of the church. We, God says, we are not allowed to judge those, but to bring them into the body of Christ through loving on them. But we are called to rebuke, to correct, and to instruct those who are within the church who are not living according to the standards and word of God, not our opinions, not what we think they should, but truly based upon the word of God. Because none of us get it right 100% of the time. Most of us are wrong 99% of the time. And so we have to be mindful that we don't criticize people without loving and instructing them in the way that they should. And the biggest way that we can do that is living a life that is worthy of the calling. That's how Paul puts it. Living a life worthy of the calling we've received. Living a life that is godly. Paul says it here that they had a form of godliness, but denied the power. That's why we know it's not the, the unbelievers that he's referring to, because the unbelievers don't, don't claim to have a godliness. It's those within the church. It's the believers who claim to have godliness, but he says they have a form of it. It's not the authentic godliness. It's a form of godliness, but here's how we know it's not authentic. Because they have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of it. They deny the power of the godly. Here's it. People think that that says that they're denying the power of God. No, read it again. It says they have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Whose power? The power of godliness. The power to walk uprightly before God and to live out godliness in our lives. To allow God to invade us so much so that when people see us, they see the anointing and the power of God on their lives. And they are drawn not to us, but they're drawn to the God in us. Having a form of godliness is not good enough. We need to have the pure, authentic godliness. And it's in that godliness that power resides. The power to love, the power to draw people, the power to minister to them, the power to accept people who have different beliefs 
or different understandings or different opinions from us. Godliness has power. And if we are going to win um, a nation, a generation of people, a world to our to what we believe, to know us the truth, to Jesus, then we need to do so with godliness. So put away your opinion because when it comes to the kingdom of God, your opinion does not matter. And I know that may sound harsh, but it's the truth. When it comes to the kingdom of God, the thing that matters is the word of God, not your opinion, not my opinion, simply the word of God. That's what matters in the kingdom of God. And we need to stop being so individually minded, um, denominationally minded, um, our opinion or culturally minded, and we need to be kingdom minded. Now, that does that mean that I am so far in the clouds of heaven that I am no earthly good as the saying would go? So heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good. No, I need to be kingdom minded so that I can be earthly good. I need to be kingdom minded. I need to know the principles and the word of God and how the kingdom of God operates so that when I am, as I am living on this earth, I know how to proceed and live on this earth so that I am drawing people to the kingdom of God instead of arguing amongst one another and keeping people away from the the kingdom of God. This is the biggest tool and the biggest lie of the enemy to cause us to be so distracted with arguing over what one another believes and our opinions that we cannot see the enemy for what he's doing. He's tearing apart the church so that he can get a culture of people to say, look at those people. Why would I want anything to do with that church or those that call themselves believers? We have to stop giving the kingdom of God a bad reputation because of our opinions. They don't matter. Our opinions in the kingdom of God don't matter. Now, is God concerned about our hearts and what we, about our, our circumstances and what's going on in our lives on a day-to-day -day basis? Absolutely. In Revelations, it tells us that he collects every tear in a bottle. He cares about us. And that's why he said that we can come cast our cares upon him. But him caring for us and loving on us and providing for us and taking care of us is totally different than us out operating in our opinion and judging one another based upon our opinion. Our opinions don't matter because our opinions can be based upon feelings. I had a very sweet friend tell me your opinion or your, your feelings are just that. They're feelings. They aren't facts. And sometimes we have to check our feelings and see if they're facts. And the only thing that is factual is the word of God. Everything else has a variant. And in our cultural society today, what, we're, what a lot of us do is if it feel good, then it must be right. And therefore, it's my, it becomes my truth. And everybody has their own truth. And it will speak your truth. Well, really? Your truth may be a lie. And so you have to go back and verify. And I can't verify my truth 
based upon your truth or any other human's truth. I have to base my truth on the principles and the foundation of the word of God. That's the real truth. That's what I must base my truth on. And if I'm studying it in the word of God, then my opinions are most likely going to line up with the word of God because I've been studying the word of God. And so, daughters of God, let's be mindful that in this highly charged emotional seasons of our lives, that we are still kingdom minded, that we are still operating as daughters of the most high God and that we are not tearing down one another, but that we are building up one another and demonstrating the love of God even when we don't agree, even when we have different opinions about something. It is not new. Throughout the Bible, they had different of opinions, but they learned how to handle that opinion without discrediting the word of God and who God was. It's okay to disagree. I'm not telling you that everybody has to have the same opinion. It's okay to disagree, but it's how we disagree that matters. And so take up the full armor of God that you may quench all the fiery darts of the enemy. It is wartime, ladies. It is time to take up the banner and war. War for the kingdom of God and not our opinions. War for the justice of humanity, but not our opinions. War because this is what God tells us that we can do as followers and believers of God. Take up the banner and war the way God calls us to do and not based upon our feelings. Love one another as Christ has loved the church. That's our commission, that we love one another. And yes, we can correct one another, but it must be in love. Love must be the motivating factor for everything that we do as followers of Christ. Everything must be motivated by love and not our own selfish gain. Can't be lovers of self, lovers of money and boastful and proud and all those things that Paul listed when he wrote 2 Timothy chapter 3. But we must take on godliness that is true and that is powerful. So today, go out and choose to love. Go out. Here's the challenge. Go out and choose to love someone whose opinion is not the same as yours. Go love on them. Listen to what they have to say. Because oftentimes, miscommunication get in the way and you are often believing on the same track, but come at it from two different angles. So listen to someone who has a different opinion. Learn from them. Share the love of God with them. And draw one another closer to Jesus. I love you. Be blessed. Until next time, remember to fight life battles God's way with both crown and sword. See you soon.